Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message is from Pastor TJ Overstreet. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you're here at the river, man. What an awesome time it's been already. Uh, just standing back there, and as Ashley said, hearing collective voices just offer up their praises to the Lord is absolutely amazing. Hey, my name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Pastor Steve is on vacation uh, this weekend and camping with his family. I know that he's creating some some great memories. Also, today is his birthday. I wish he were here so that we, yeah, yeah, go ahead. He may be watching online. I doubt he is. But, but yeah, we, uh, we're so grateful uh, for him and uh, looking forward to him getting some rest and relaxation as we gear up for a very, very busy fall that we see coming ahead. If this is your first time here, man, we say welcome. We're so glad that you're here and we would like nothing more than to connect with you. There's plenty of opportunities to do that this morning. As, uh, as we finish up, I invite you to go to our connections desk, which is out in the lobby. Um, we've got a gift there that we would just love to give you as saying thank you. Thank you for being here. If you're joining us online this morning, we're grateful that you're here, that you're watching us. If you would do me a favor, if you're online, would you just in the comments area, just drop where you're watching or you're streaming from, whether it's Oregon or Florida, or maybe it's right here in Cookville. We'd, we'd just love to see where that is. Well, I would assume that maybe uh, several of you here are here, maybe for the first time, but maybe the first time back after um, summer break. And so as we get back in the groove of things, I know that school has started, tech is starting very soon, and so we're starting to get back into some routine. So what I wanted to do is just take a couple of minutes to kind of catch you up on where we are. Um, over the summer, the last eight or nine weeks or so, we've been walking verse by verse through the book of 2 Timothy. And this morning, um, I have the privilege of wrapping that up and before we start a new series next week. So let me just kind of give you some context and kind of fill you in on where we are to this point as we wrap up this book. Now, 2 Timothy is a letter. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Can you guess who this letter was written to? Timothy, I, I like participation, it works, it works really well. But yeah, it's written to Timothy. Timothy was actually one of Paul's disciples. And Timothy had been sent out as they were planting and building churches uh, in, in Acts. Uh, he was sent out and he was leading the church, a church in Ephesus. Now Ephesus is in an area of what is modern day Turkey. Okay, so as he's here, the primary reason that Paul is sending this letter is to encourage, to spur on, to help him walk through some of the challenges and maybe even responsibilities that he is facing as a leader of the church. Something I think that's good to understand as we're walking through this latter part of this passage is where Paul is. He's actually writing this letter from prison. He had been thrown in jail uh, for preaching the good news, for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in this time, and he's, he's wrapping up, and we saw last week, 
um, that, that he has actually said, hey, I, I've fought the good fight, I finished the race. And we're gonna look at that passage to just kind of bring us up, but he's wrapping up kind of his worldly ministry. He feels that time is coming to an end, and so he parts these in words of encouragement to Timothy, and he's inviting him and encouraging him to remain faithful and diligent in the ministry that he's been called to. So as we uh, look in Scripture this morning, we're gonna be looking at 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 22. And as, uh, as we read these passages together, I think that there's some good information that we, can, that we can pull, some practical applications that we can pull out of these passages. Now, when you read it, you're kind of like, are these just some afterthoughts? And maybe, you know, a lot of times when you write a letter, uh, you see this PS, this postscript, this after, and maybe that's what this is, but I, I don't necessarily think so because he's imparting some really good knowledge and encouragement into Timothy. So if you would, grab your Bibles. We're gonna look at 2 Timothy 4. Uh, 2 Timothy is towards the back of the Bible, so I encourage you to grab that. If you don't have one with you, there's a Burgundy Bible that's uh, right there close. Feel free to grab that. Be on page 1003, 1003 in the Burgundy Bible. Um, also, you can follow along in the app, or it'll be on the screens. So let's read 2 Timothy, starting uh, chapter four, we're actually gonna back up and we're gonna start at verse six. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Here's the passage we're gonna pick up, verse nine. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone on to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone on to Galatia, and Titus has gone on to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful for me in my ministry. I sent to Caicus to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring my coat I left with Carpus in Troas. Also, bring my books and especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm but the Lord will judge him for what he's done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time that I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me as we look to jump into this passage? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and we say thank you for the ability to gather in this place together. Lord, I pray that as we look into this passage, you give us 
some insight of how we can remain faithful throughout our journey so that we can finish strong. Lord, I pray that the the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts together will be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Impart your words and your wisdom to us in this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as I was um, preparing and studying on this message, I had kind of backed up to where we started in verse six there. And, And in verse seven, where Paul says to Timothy that I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. And I thought about how in this world, in our culture, we talk a lot about finishing the race or finishing strong in general. I, I, I don't think many, anybody in here has probably never heard, hey, you need to finish strong, whether it be as you're wrapping up a, a semester in school, you got a, the teacher or the instructor says, all right, guys, let's not coast. We're not done yet. Let's finish strong. Let's really do well. Well, I was, I grew up loving sports and I still love sports. And there's a lot of this theme throughout sports of finishing strong. If you think about uh, those that run marathons or triathlons, those endurance athletes, they they do specific drills and, and strength trainings that will help them push through the finish line at the very end to give them that last little burst to make sure that they just don't settle and rest so that they can finish strong. Even race car drivers have a strategy and plan on how to finish strong. Race car drivers are are studying and analyzing and talking back and forth to their pit crews to know exactly when to make a pit stop so that they can have just enough fuel to finish a race, but not too much as to weigh them down because they have extra fuel. Well, two of my boys love playing basketball. Actually, all three of them love playing basketball. But we've all probably seen um, kids or even um, high schoolers or college students, everybody's practicing the way to finish strong. You can imagine it, right? You're on the, you're on the playground. You're, you've got this imaginary clock in your head where there's two or three seconds, and and you get the ball inbounded and you throw it up, right? You're practicing to finish strong. Even the coaches are putting together plays so that they know what we want to do in the last couple of minutes of a game to finish strong or to win the race. Well, I grew up playing football, and there's it's very obvious and very apparent to me that in, in football that we, we prepared for that, from peewee football, you can see it all the way up to the professional ranks, they practice what's called the two-minute drill. Everybody heard of the two-minute drill? The two-minute drill is this, is this preparation for the last two minutes of the first half of the game or at the end of the game. And it's a strategy that's put to, in place to help you gain momentum and to f- cross the finish line. You get the ball and you score. Or... The two-minute drill could be that you're possessing the ball to keep your team from your opponent from running their two-minute drill and scoring. Well, let me, let me, you may say, like, I don't get it. What does that look like? Well, let, me, let me tell you what that looks like for just a moment. Imagine it being the third Saturday in October. Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, Tennessee. It's the fourth quarter, Tennessee, Alabama. 
tied 49-49 with 15 seconds left. Now, you don't have time to run a two-minute drill. You got to run the 15-second drill. So what do you do? You get the ball. You go 45 yards. You kick a field goal to beat Alabama. Go Big Orange. Yeah. Where's my boy Brian? He's not real happy with me right now. You know, there's just something to be said for finishing. But it's not just finishing. It's about finishing strong and being faithful to the work that the Lord has called us to. I believe that Paul, in this last little wrap-up to his letter, he gives us some glimpses of how we can do that. So I hope you grabbed a listening guide as you came in, or you can pull it up on the app. We've got a couple of points that I just want to hit. But as we're doing that, I've also got a few questions that I want you to write down and to be thinking of as we walk through our time together. So the very first thing that I think that we can see here is that it is important as we are remaining faithful to the end, as we're working to finish strong, is that we have faithful friends. Have faithful friends. So right out of the gate here in verse nine, we see Paul say, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. And then he goes on to uh, talk about some other things that are going on, some other friends that are in his life. And he, he starts out this passage with, with, with extending this heartfelt plea to Timothy to come and visit him. And then he follows that up with the reasons why he wants somebody to come. You know, we, we all desire fellowship and companionship. And Paul, in this point amongst um, a really treacherous season of isolation and hardship, um, it, it should remind us of the importance of having other people in our lives. We, this is not the only instance that we see this or that, that we can glean from. Actually, we see other instances throughout Scripture and, and teachings on how important it is to have others in your life. We're gonna look quickly at a passage in the Old Testament, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter four. You wanna turn there or it'll be on the screen. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine, the teacher is teaching how important it is to have faithful friends, to have people to come alongside of you and have your back. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 says this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out to help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Oh, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You see, I think that it's very important in our Christian walk that we have close and faithful friends. Even Jesus saw the importance of having close friends. In Luke's gospel, we see in chapter six that Jesus has uh, chosen his 12 disciples, those that are gonna come along with him and do ministry. But of those, th of those 12, there's three of them, Peter, James, and John, that 
they've kind of been set aside. They're almost like Jesus's inner circle. You see, Peter, James, and John, we don't know exactly why they were, why they were chosen, but they were some of his earliest and, and longest followers. But I, I think that if we think on it a little bit, maybe some reasons that they were the innermost is because they saw some very incredible times and they spent them with Jesus. For instance, right after Jesus had told the people that he was going to have to be crucified, that he was going to have to die, he went off with Peter, James, and John to a mountain and he was transformed into this radiant light that portrayed all of his glory and who he was going to be when he returned. And Peter, James, and John got to see that in their earthly form. But also we see just before Jesus is to go to the cross to die for the sins of all mankind, Scripture says that his spirit was in such agony that he sweat drops of blood. So why do I share these things? It's because we need to understand that not only... These three witnessed some of Jesus' greatest moments of glory. But they also were there in his darkest trials and in his hardest moments. They were his closest friends. So here's a question for you. Who are your Peter, James, and John? Who are those that you're close with? As we look on in chapter, in verses 11 and 12 of this passage, Paul shares about other loyal friends who have stood by him during ministry. And I believe that we, uh, it's important to note one of these quickly. He lists several, but he lists one and he's, he, he references Mark. Mark is, this isn't the first time we've seen Mark. Mark is actually referred to as John Mark in Acts. And Mark was actually with Paul when he took his very first missionary journey that we see in the book of Acts. The, the problem is Mark didn't stay with him the entire trip. See, Paul and Barnabas were going out on their missionary journey. They had invited Mark, but Mark, we find out later, deserted them. He left them. Well, they went on about their journey and after Paul and Barnabas had finished that journey, they came back and they were thinking on some things and Paul said, hey, I wanna go back and see those in the cities that we had visited and just see how they're doing. Barnabas agreed, said, hey, I think it's a great idea, but he insisted that Mark go with him. Paul was not happy. Paul reminded him of this desertion that he had, he had just deserted them, that, that he had basically just left them out on, on their own, and he, they needed somebody that could be dependable, and Paul didn't believe Mark could be dependable. And in this moment, Paul and Barnabas, actually, Scripture says they had a sharp disagreement, and they went their separate ways over arguing about Mark. We see that Paul took Silas, and he went to Syria, and then Barnabas actually took Mark and went to Cyprus. And then later on, we find out that at some point in time, that Mark and Paul are back together again. Paul even goes as far as listing him among some other fellow workers. He's no longer upset, but he's calling a fellow worker. I think that we can see that 
this teaches us a very significant lesson. It teaches us a lesson of forgiveness, of second chances, and of the transformational power that God can bring into somebody's life. So here's my next question. Do you have a mark in your life that you need to reconcile with? Somebody that you may have been close and friends with, but something got in, the, in between you all and you went your separate ways. But the Lord's been stirring that you need to go back and make things right. Because in this journey together, we need faithful friends because we have plenty that will talk about us behind our backs. One last thing before we move on to our next point as we see in verse 13, and I'll, I'll read that really quickly. 4.13 says this, when you come, be sure to bring my coat that I left with Carpus in Troas. It's getting ready to get cold, so he needed, he needed his coat. He's in prison. But here's what I wanna draw us to. But also bring my books and especially my papers. I think that this really highlights the importance of reading God's word and having it with you wherever you may go. Paul doesn't tell us exactly what these books and papers are, but most commentaries you read or theologians, they're gonna say that these were probably some early copies of what we know as the New Testament. It, it could even been some of the, the early writings of of Luke and Matthew, of, of what they had observed Jesus do throughout his life. Whatever it may be, I think that we need to take encouragement that we too need to have the scriptures available and ready and pouring into us. That Paul, even in his lowest times, in his lowest hours, he knew that he needed the word of God. So in this section, I think we can see having faithful friends and leaning into scripture is truly a way to help us to continue to be faithful throughout our Christian walk. Well, as we continue our journey, I think we come to the next point that we can take out of this passage. The next point is that you will encounter disappointment. You will encounter disappointment. Let me read for you again, verses 14 and following. This is Paul. I think he's, he's venting a little bit here, like he's lamenting a little bit, but he, he brings it around. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he's done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time that I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me, but may it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, the Lord delivered me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever, amen. So what can we learn from what Paul is saying here. In verse 14, he references Alexander the coppersmith who caused him much harm. 
I think we can all relate that as we walk in our daily lives that people are going to disappoint us. They're going to cause us pain. They're going to betray us. But, but through God, Paul's example, I think that we can learn again to forgive and trust God in every situation. I'd be willing to bet that everybody in this room has been disappointed by somebody. Am I right? Yeah. People are gonna fail us. People are gonna let us down. But as Paul so eloquently said here, God never will. We will be disappointed, but God will not let us down. As I was thinking about this, I thought about some of the other instances in scripture where um, there had to be disappointment. And one that came to mind was uh, the story of Moses. All right, Moses was one of the, the greatest leaders in all of scripture we see. And he had helped lead the Israelite people out of captivity and slavery in Egypt. And they were working towards the promised land that God was gonna give them. And so Moses saw the people through the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs. But kind of like Paul, Moses was coming to his end of his life. And God had actually said, hey, you're, you're no longer gonna lead these people. You're not gonna be taking these people into the promised land. And so he shared that with the Israelites. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what it was like to have seen all of these ups and downs, to have come out of captivity? Yeah, you had been wandering for a while, but things are, things are looking up because you're moving into the promised land. Your leader had just said, we're going to the promised land. But he said, oh, by the way, I, I'm not gonna be with you. And that had to be disappointing. For a long time, they had leaned on Moses to be their constant, to be their steady, and that had to weigh heavy on their heart. But in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse six, here's what Moses says. He said, so be strong and courageous. Guys, I know you're disappointed. I know it might not have looked like what you thought it was gonna look like, and you're getting ready to go into a land that's inhabited by other people, but be strong and create courageous. Don't be afraid and do not panic. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. Why? Because even in your disappointment, even in times when you're questioning, like, I don't know, I don't know about this. Why? Because he, God, he will never fail you nor abandon you. We also see in the passage that we just read in verses 16 and 17, how God stood with Paul. He delivered him from the trials, even death. I don't know if you noticed it, but in my Bible uh, that I read from, when we get to that passage, uh, it's chapter, or it's verse 17, at the end of it, he says, and he rescued me from certain death. There's a little asterisk there. The Greek, I'm not, I'm not can't you tell I'm a Greek scholar? It's all in a footnote, okay? So, the Greek, the translation is from the mouth of a lion. Boy, I would have been disappointed if I was facing death, but God rescued him from that. So even in these moments of disappointment and frustration, it's essential to remember that the Lord stands with us. 
Guys, we, we have to know we're gonna have disappointment in our life. We can't go through life thinking everything is gonna be sunshine. There's gonna be disappointment. But we can take comfort in the promise that we see all throughout scripture that God will never fail you. He will never abandon you. I take comfort in that. I hope you do as well. So that's why we have to understand, and I think Paul is telling us here, hey, we're gonna have disappointment. Let me go ahead and put it up there for you. It's gonna come. Well, finally, in this passage, I think that we can learn a few things from verses 19 through 22. As we're remaining faithful on our journey, I think it's important that we know to build kingdom community to build kingdom community. You see, Paul concludes this letter by mentioning various individuals that have played significant roles in ministry. These are kingdom partners that were instrumental in advancing the good news of the gospel. It highlights to me the importance of having community on our Christian journey, having those that we are doing ministry with because God has placed individuals in our lives to encourage us, to challenge us, to support us, and we need to embrace that. You know, in other words, don't do life alone. Contrary to what culture will tell you, you can't do everything alone. They'll tell you to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You can do this. You can do that. You can be anything you want to be. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you that's not biblical. It's not wise. We're not designed to go through life alone and do it independently. I'll give you proof out of the very first book of the Bible. In Genesis, we see the record of God creating everything separating light and dark, day and night, land and waters, creates the plants and all the animals, and then he creates man. And in Genesis 2, verse 18, we read this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not biblical for us to be alone. We need community. We can actually see this all throughout Scripture. Many of the heroes of the Bible had others that were coming alongside of them. As we saw earlier, Moses, he had Joshua. We see David in the Old Testament, he had Jonathan. Elijah, the prophet, had Elisha. We even see in this story that Paul, in this letter, Paul has Timothy. And even as we talked about just a minute ago, Jesus had his three that came alongside of him. Jesus didn't go through his earthly life alone. Let that sink in for a minute. Why would we think that we can? So here's my question. Do you try to do life alone? I think that if you do, you're, you're gonna find that it makes life much tougher, much more of a challenge. Or are you involved in a small group of fellow believers? Okay, I'm gonna step on some toes, and I'm okay with it. For all that Sunday mornings accomplish 
in our lives and how encouraging they are. These Sunday morning services that we attend are not the best place for building disciples. They're not the best place for encouraging us individually in our faith. They're not the best place to bring correction when we've gone sideways, and they're not the best place to build kingdom community. But doing life with a small group of people, fellow believers on the other hand, you will find friendship, you'll find encouragement, you'll find correction when you need it. We'll have those that we can, like Jesus, that we can share the good times and the bad times together with and have their support. I've often heard that um, Christians, people will say, well, I don't, I don't need to be a part of a church to be a Christian. And it irks me a bit. And I, I recently came across this statement that I thought um, fit well here in a response to those that say they, they don't need a church to be a Christian. And it says this, the best deceptions are usually resting on technicalities of the truth. So, so what do I mean? Technically, no. You do not have to be part of a church to be a follower, to be redeemed by Jesus Christ and to be growing closer to him. You don't. Because Salvation is not a gift of the churches. It's a gift of God. But I will tell you that we have already looked at instances where Jesus in his earthly life did life with people. If anybody could have done it on his own, it would have been him, but he didn't. We see story and story and story again where we need kingdom partnerships and kingdom community. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, but one of our um, foundational guiding core principles here at the river is kingdom partnerships. Those kingdom partnerships is why, I don't know, how many came in the main entrance and saw that all beat up wrecked car out front? Yeah, that, that showed up about midnight last night, just so you know. But this is an example of a good, faithful friend and kingdom partnership. If you were here last week with us, Pastor Steve and Pastor Bobby from Life Church, they've got this great friendship and they, they had a bump and run at the, at the fair on Monday night. And they took those cars and they beat them up on each other. Why, for the sake of making one of them greater and the other one less? No, do you know why? It's for the kingdom of God. So silly beating up cars over that. It's not about... The, 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 the little C church. It's about the big C church. That's why I, I hope that if you're around the river for any length of time, you're gonna find out it's not about the river community church. We wanna make much of God. We are gonna partner with other fellow believing, Bible preaching bodies and organizations and churches in this community. Why? Because it's about the kingdom. It's not about the church. As a plug for, for Dean, I, threw him, I told him last service, hey, here it comes, but get ready. Our primary source of building kingdom community here at the river is through life groups that meet all throughout the week. Those are groups that you can get 
involved in other people's lives and they can get involved in your lives. I know the introverts in here are like, oh, I don't want that. That's okay. We still need it. And sometimes we have to do the uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable. So it's important to have people in your life because it will strengthen you, it will guard you, it will give you a gift that you were not expecting. So it's important to have kingdom community. So maybe you need to get involved in a life group. Pastor Dean will be out around the connections desk. You can go online. We can get you plugged in, and we would love to. So as we wrap things up this morning, here's what I know. This letter that Paul sent to his disciple Timothy was giving him some encouragement, was some giving him some advice, and even as he wraps this up, I think that he gives us some really good components that we can take into our everyday lives as we are working to be faithful to what God has called us to in our lives. First, we need to have close and faithful friends. Guys, if you don't have those in your life, I pray that you will seek after a few. Because we have to be ready when disappointment comes because it's gonna come. And having those that can stand alongside us will be helpful. But we also have to lock onto the promise and keep and understand that God is faithful and he will not fail us in those times of disappointment. And I believe that we can also see that we desperately need godly Christian kingdom community. Those that we can truly lock arms with and do life together. So we're gonna move into, uh, into a time of invitation. This is just a time for you to maybe respond to what God's doing or what God is speaking to you. Ethan's gonna come out and uh, I asked you a couple of questions. So I want you to contemplate those or think of those as we walk into this time. Do you, do you need to reconcile? Is there a mark in your life that you need to reconcile with? Well, I, I encourage you. Come and lay that at the feet of Jesus and ask him what that looks like. You may need the words to speak. You may need the opportunity to do it and just ask the Lord to do that. Maybe you have some friends that are struggling. They've been disappointed and you need to be, a, be like Peter, James, and John and to come alongside and be there during the low points. Maybe you're going through some struggles and some disappointment and you need some people in your life to come alongside and rally with you. Or you may be sitting here and saying, TJ, I, I'm not worried about finishing the journey. I've not even started it. Because I would love to talk to you. Because this journey of faith that we're on, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the relationship and what God has done for each and every one of us by sending his son to die so that we may have life, as Paul referenced, so that we can too enjoy the kingdom of heaven. If that's you and you're like, I don't know what this whole journey was about, but I would like to know more, I'll be down front. I'd love to talk to you. So in this time, if you wanna come and pray, the area to my left and your right is open. 
just come and, and pray. Maybe you need to write some names on the, on the stage of those that you're praying for that you know that are struggling that can use some prayer. You come over there, nobody's gonna mess with you. It's just gonna be you and God. But maybe there's something that's going on in your life that you, you need somebody, you'd like for somebody to come alongside and pray for you. Up here to my right, your left, there'll be some others. There'll be some, our prayer team, our staff, they'll be here to pray with you. If you come and kneel, just know they'll come and put their hand on you. Hey, how can I pray for you? But if maybe you are saying, I, TJ, I, I need to begin this journey. I hear what you're saying about finishing strong, but I need to know where to start. I'm gonna be down here. I'd love to talk to you. So would you stand with me now? As Ethan leads us and as we sing, I pray that you listen to the Lord and you respond as he calls. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God, love people, and impact the world.